0: Well, I wonder, are you ready to receive the word this morning? I'm so proud and so happy to be able to introduce one of my friends to you all. I've known him now for since 2003, actually. Actually, probably a little bit before that. That's when I was actually ordained under Dr. Barclay. And over the last number of years, we've gotten to know uh, each other better. I've told you the story about how we have phone calls and we talk and and I know I've shared this with you, and I've also shared it with our congregation. He's one of my best phone buddies that I have, because he doesn't call me wanting anything. He just calls, how you doing? And then we just end up talking, and I know that you're blessing me. I hope that I'm blessing you when we're doing that as well. But he's been uh, pastoring over in Living Word uh, for 38 years, 38 years. And I think that we ought to give a warm Resurrection Life Church welcome to Reverend Tim Cross. Can you do that with me? Come on. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.
1: Bless you, God. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Y'all y'all can be seated. Thank you. It's it's an honor and privilege to be here as, as your pastor gave me a tour of this building. I, I somewhat felt like the Queen of Sheba. <laughs> If you remember when she came to Solomon and and she was overwhelmed by all that she saw, I'm I'm looking at your building and thinking, I don't want my staff to see this. (laughs) They're going to come back. I've got a staff that always wants to change things and upgrade things. And if they came here, I'd be spending a whole lot of money. But praise God, it's an honor and privilege to be here i love your pastor we have we have talked Uh, i've got a list of of guys that are just on my heart and just try to call and because i i've been there sometimes the only calls you get for some preachers when they want something and so uh i just think we as preachers ought to just enjoy fellowship and encourage one another and so uh, I, i it's been an honor sir just to give you a call hallelujah and it's it's an honor to be here and today is during worship i realized I was in a church in Kalamazoo, and we'd started a church in Muskegon, and we'd started Sunday morning services in September of 1984, and we, have, we sent Ramagrads to Muskegon uh, to, quote, try out to take that church. There's about a dozen people there, and nothing just seemed to work out, and finally the pastor looked at me in uh, November of 1984, and he said, Tim, go do a month's worth of Sundays in Muskegon until we figure out what we're going to do from there. That's the longest month of my life, (laughs) 38 years. This is actually, it was the first Sunday in November of 1984. I went to Muskegon, so this is somewhat an anniversary, and I'm not even there, but praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. But, uh, and I got saved in February of 1979, so I've been serving the Lord for a little over 42, working on 43 years now. And how many of y'all realize that, you know, walking with God is an adventure, and it is a journey? And uh, I found out the the longer you walk with him, you know, may, excuse me, maybe I'd say it this way. When I was young in the Lord, I thought I knew everything. I'm sure none of y'all have ever been there. But when I was young in the Lord, I, I thought I had everything figured out. The longer I walk with God, I realize how stupid I am. <laughs> uh, but on the other side, as you walk with God, y- you learn some things. If if, if you just don't quit... Uh, I. I can say it this way, walking with God is an adventure. And sometimes, you know, I look at Psalm 23, which is a life psalm about allowing the Lord to be your shepherd. And, uh, you know, I, I like that first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But then he goes, but yea, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. My, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then he goes on and says, and I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And I'll anoint your head with oil. Uh, you know, it, my, my bringing that up, you know, all of walking with God does not mean everything's going to be roses and clover and etc. Some of walking with God, you're going to walk through some difficult times. But you know what you're going through? Are you out there? If David, if there was no Goliath, there would, be no king, would have been no kingship. David's Goliath, and that was a major battle. I mean, that was a major fight. Young teenage boy against this giant, that was a major fight. But you see, I heard someone say, if you're facing a Goliath, that must mean that God sees a David on the inside of you. God sees a champion on the inside of you. You know, I mean, you may be facing some things, and I mean, I wish walking with God, I mean, if there are some verses I could change in the Bible, Bible. All right. Any of y'all got some verses you wish you could rewrite? Those verses that says a man who hears my sayings and does them. He's like a man that built his house on the rock. And what I would like the rest of that to say is he built his house on the rock and he lived happily ever after. <laughs> but it doesn't say that. It says a man who heard his sayings and did them. It was like a man had built his house on the rock and the winds came and the floods came and beat against that house. But because he was a doer of God's word, because he had taken the time to dig deep and get the word of God on the inside of him, the winds might have blown, the water might have came, but in the midst of it, he stood strong in the midst of the battle, in the midst of a storm. I wish I could find some verses that says if you serve God, you'll never face anything. But listen, we were born for adversity. We were born for battle. We were born to overcome. You know, being an overcomer is not some nice little thing we rejoice at in church. That means we're going to face some things, but we're going to overcome. We're going to get to victory. We're going to get on the other side. That's what we were created to do. Somebody said this. Somebody said the church is not a cruise ship. I've been on a few cruises, I like cruises. But the church is not a cruise ship, the church is a battleship. We were born for battle, we were born for adversity. And I mean, I don't, I know pastor said stay away from end time stuff. (laughs) But, you can't, you can't, listen. you, you, can't, you can't look at the day and the hour that we live and not realize we are living in historic times. We are living in various... I mean, we, we may not know all this coming down the road, but you know what I do know? I don't care what's coming down the road. I'm anointed for this season. Your grace for this season. We were born for this hour. We were born to go through this time and not suffer, but to be victorious and to be overcomers. We got born for this time, so i, I I'm, forgive me, I, I hear this rising in my spirit. Stop complaining about the time we're in. Stop complaining about the difficulties we, we're facing. Start letting the greater one rise on the inside of you. And let's start thinking about victory and overcoming rather than being the overcome. This is our hour. I haven't even got to my notes yet. They fell on the ground. Maybe that was a prophetic symbol. I shouldn't go to them. But but we were born for this hour. We're champions. The greater one on the inside of us prepared us for this hour. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I want to, I said... (laughs) I guess I said all that to prepare and just say, in, in 42 years of walking with God, I've learned a thing or two. And I've had some, um, I've had some experiences lately that trouble me in a good sense, maybe, that I'm, I'm trying to process. Because one of the things I, I've just been trying to work in my life is a greater sense of gratitude. And I heard Norval Hayes, if any of y'all know that name, I heard Norval one time say, you, you know, before you ever ask God for anything, you need to spend at least 30 minutes thanking him for what he's done in your life. And I thought, man, Norval, I think you might be exaggerating a little bit, but I, one time I sat and I thought, if I got 30 minutes of thanksgiving on the inside of me? I'll let that settle in for a second. If you don't watch it, we we get more complaining going on on the inside of us than we do Thanksgiving. But I found myself, I've just been working. That that really challenged me just in terms of of really working gratitude more in my system. Because how many of y'all realize the negative bent of the world? It is so easy to get caught up in down in the mouth, woe is me, this didn't go right, that didn't go right. You know, it's real easy to get caught up in that. Okay, maybe y'all are different than me. Maybe here in St. Louis, it's different than Muskegon. Okay, so I've just been working on that. And so I've been, been working to discipline myself when the Lord has done something that I want to make, uh, I want to make sure I give him thanks because you, you, you ever find some verses in the Bible that scare you a little bit? I found a verse in the Bible concerning Hezekiah who really was sick and to the point of death, remember the story, Isaiah the prophet came in and basically said, get your house in order, you're going to die. He turned his face to the wall and cried out to God and it got God's attention to the point before Isaiah could even get out of the courtyard, he came back in and said, God's given you 15 more years. But you know what the Bible says about that situation? The Lord was angry with Hezekiah. He wasn't happy with him because he didn't render to God according to what God had done for him. God wasn't impressed with his type of gratitude back towards him for him healing Hezekiah. Okay. Sorry, goodness. So I said, and I think when the Lord's done something for me, I want to make sure that I render back to him. You know, we had we had a guest speaker in and we had miracles. We had, I mean, we just had, it, it was uh, stuff that maybe if I could say it this way, I hadn't seen since the early 80s, just miracles. It, it's some great services. And we gave him one of the largest offerings we have ever given anybody. But then afterwards, I wanted to solidify what took place in that man's ministry. And I, I just thinking about this, thinking, Lord, I want to make sure I offer to you according to what you've done for me. I just don't want to take this for granted and said, hey, we had great meetings. And so I wanted to give a thank offering, and I asked the Lord, I said, what's an appropriate thank offering? Can I tell you something? You shouldn't ask God things like that. <laughs> Because I looked at that story of Hezekiah. Hezekiah didn't offer to God appropriate to what the Lord had done for him. So I said, Lord, I feel like I want to make sure I've offered proper thanks to you for what's taken place in these meetings. What's what's a proper thank offering for what you've done? You ever have God speak numbers to you and you go, but I wanted to render to him Proper thanksgiving. Amen. Hallelujah. So I've been finding myself, anytime the Lord's done something, I want to render the proper thanks to Him. But then I've had some things that the Lord has said to me lately that I'm going. You know, I want to check ID. Lord, is that you? I mean, have any of y'all ever had any times that you know you thought it was God, but you know, I want to see some ID? And a couple of them, I want to see two forms of ID. <laughs> All right, maybe y'all are different than me. But uh, uh, but this is what I've heard back. I've had times I've just been thanking the Lord. And then I've heard back, no, son, thank you. Thank you for when you obeyed me here. Thank you for when you, and and I'll be honest with you, I, you know, i I'm like, Lord, whoa, wait a minute, that, that can't be God. Because my response to that, remember the story of the steward who worked out in the fields all day and came in and he was supposed to cook dinner for his master and, and he said, does the master thank him for doing what he was supposed to? And he said, no, the servant says, I'm just an unworthy servant. And I just said, Lord, my response, Lord, you've done everything for me. I just want to obey you. I've only done what you asked me to do. But I found him, and it's, this is weird. I've been serving him for 42 years. I didn't hear this 20 years ago. But I found him saying, no, son, thank you for obeying me. And in my walk with God, I ought to read a verse. Shouldn't, that, shouldn't I do that? Grab your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. Am I doing okay, Pastor? All right. If I get off track, just give me the signal and I'll shut up. John 14. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, Keep my commandments. Verse 15, sorry. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Look in verse 22. Judas, not a scare, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. We measure or we think in terms of our love for the Lord based on, I mean, and I loved your worship. My goodness, that was powerful worship. You know, if you can't worship God with a team like this, something's wrong, all right? But I love to worship. And I'll be honest with you, I love the emotion of of, of worshiping God and telling God that I love Him. But... And, and maybe we measure, and I, I've, heard, I've heard people say, I love the Lord. And it's usually the ones that make the biggest deal out of loving the Lord that you can't get to church on a consistent basis. They don't tithe, they don't work in the house, but they love the Lord. And they base their love on a feeling on the inside of them, And I'm glad that they have an emotional feeling towards the Lord. But how does God measure love? How does God look at a person and say, say, in God's estimation, not theirs, how does God measure a person's level of love? I'm going to say this. God measures the level of the love that a person has for him by how much they obey him. It doesn't matter how loud you sing. It doesn't matter if you kneel at the altar. It doesn't matter if you dance, which I love all of those things. I'm not against any of those things. He, does, he, he may look at that, and I mean, he may be pleased with what you're doing. But the true level of how much you love the Lord is how much you obey him. And some people that I've seen, oh, I love the Lord. And I want to go, no, you don't. Oh, yes, I do, Pastor Tim. I can't get you to church even one time a month. <laughs> we can't get you to do anything in the ministry. Oh, but I love the Lord. You've got a tongue so long. You tell every, uh, stories on everybody. You gossip about everybody. You talebear about everybody. You talk bad about me. but I love the Lord. (laughs) No, I'm just, see, this may be a one shot and I'm done and I get done, Pastor says, he ain't never coming back. (laughs) So I'm gonna get this shot in, you know. so (laughs) You know, I'm gonna hit you. Listen. Your love, the depth of your love is directly dependent on the depth of your obedience to him. If you don't obey him, don't deceive yourself. If you don't come to church, if you don't work in the house of God, if you don't tithe, listen, I got news for you. You don't love him. Not the way you think you do. Your love is seen by your obedience. And can I tell you something? Coming to church, working in the house of God, and giving your tithe is not a high level of obedience. That's a beginning level of obedience. That's just beginning. I want to say this appropriately. <laughs> That's easy. It really is. Because now I'm this is part of what I'm saying in this journey with God. Because As I look at my life, 42 years now, February will be 43, of walking with God, I found out there are various things through the years that have motivated me, that have been my motivation for serving the Lord. I'll have to say a lot of my motivation as a young Christian was about gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. I want to get everything I can from God. Are you all out there? I've had various motivations, but pastor, at this point in my life, I hit 60 this year, walked walked into a movie theater, took my wife out to a movie, walked in, and there was a person behind the register that knew me and immediately turned around and said, two senior tickets. (laughs) I didn't like that. (laughs) But at this point in walking with God, My motivation today, and this is what I've said to the Lord, Lord, bottom line, I just want to obey you. I just want to do what you tell me to do. I don't care what the results are. I just want to obey you. If you'll make it clear to me, I'll obey you. And I've had this word, I just just had I, I heard this phrase stirring on the inside of me called accumulated obedience. Accumulated obedience. Now, Grab your Bibles, probably maybe a familiar verse. I was watching your pastor the other day. You know, if you're going to go to a church, my, you know, nice stuff about online. He's he, he just reading all these scriptures. And I'm like, oh, man, this is a master teacher. And here I'm just sort of an exhorter and preacher. So I, ought to get, I felt like I ought to come and bring a few verses to you. But I was watching your pastor, and he said, and this verse says this, and then this verse says this. And, man, he used more verses than I use in about three months in one sermon. <laughs> Deuteronomy 28, which is probably familiar to you. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, says this. And it shall come to pass, if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. Verse 2. And all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. A lot of people like you. You read the rest of the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28, or us charismatic word of faith kind of, I mean, these are our verses. He'll make us the head, not the tail. Above only and not beneath. An enemy will come against us one way and flee before us seven ways. We'll be blessed in the city. We'll be blessed in the field. Everybody loves those blessings. But they're predicated on obedience. Obeying Him. Now, I've got two dogs at my house. I've got an old. I've got an old. It's a German German Shepherd German short hair mix, and he's nine years old. And uh, he's. We've had him since he was a puppy, and uh, he is. He is. He is the house dog. He's our early warning system. Uh, he's. He's about eighty pounds. That I would advise you not to come to my house unannounced. Okay, but he's he we were watching uh, this summer and he was he was getting a little he he just his hips were getting, you know, he couldn't get up at times. And so we thought we need to get another dog and sort of let him train that dog up. So, you know, be be the big brother for a while, because I don't know how long we're going to have, you know, uh, it's called Oreo. He's black and got a white chest. So we just call him Oreo. And so we bought this German Shepherd Golden Retriever mix. Beautiful dog, I wanted to call him Reese's. (laughs) But somehow the rest of the family didn't like it. He's called Winston. But we've got a problem with Winston. He isn't good at obeying yet. So if I could say it this way, Oreo gets great blessings. Oreo has the run of the house. When we go to bed at night, Oreo's got a place on the couch, either on the couch or he sleeps on my clothes on the floor. He gets special privileges. Winston? He goes in a back room locked up and can't get out till we get up in the morning. Because he gets in the garbage, he tears all sorts of stuff up, you know what I mean? The thing is, Oreo has learned obedience. So Oreo gets a different level of freedom. Where Winston, when we leave, we put him outside. I've got a a fenced in backyard, it's a big backyard. But he gets put out and he has to look through the window at Oreo on the couch. Oreo just smiles. But Winston, because Winston has not learned obedience. Has to wait outside, and if it rains, he gets wet, or he can go underneath the deck. But you know what? I can't trust him inside. Now, if I stopped real quickly there, I would make this point. Which one are you? (laughs) (laughs) Because obedience determines your level of freedom. I'll never forget my my first mission trip to Peru. I've got about 80 some mission trips overseas. And uh, I went to Peru and To give you the background, we had paid for a crusade. It was about $5,000 to do this crusade in this city. We'd paid all the money. We had had brought uh, teams in. We'd brought medical teams, and we did a medical clinic during the day, pastor's meetings during the day, and then we had a crusade in the stadium at night. So we're at the first evening uh, of the crusade. Stadium is packed. The, The Peruvian worship team is going, and they're just rocking the house. So And I'm preaching that night. So I go up to the missionary. His name's Robert Berger. I walk up to him. And I uh, said, okay, sir, what are my instructions for this evening? He said, Tim, these are your instructions. I want you to preach 20 to 25 minutes, which means with an interpreter, that's about 15 minutes of preaching. He said, I want you to preach 20 to 25 minutes and then turn it over to me and I'll do the altar call and we'll be done. I said, yes, sir. So I got up that night, I preached 23 minutes, I kept track of it real well, and I have not kept track of my time here. Am I doing, okay, yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) And so I preached 23 minutes, turned it over to the missionary, missionary gave the altar call and dozens of people got saved. So we're at the next night, the place is rocking, there's thousands of people there. I walk up to the missionary, I said, all right, what are my instructions this evening? He said, do whatever you want. So I looked at him, you know, I'm just one of these guys that I'll just say, okay, (laughs) explain to me why the instructions last night were preached 20 to 25 minutes and handed over to you, and now tonight you say, do whatever I want. He said, number one, I had never heard you preach. Number two, I had to see if you could follow instructions. And you proved to me last night you could follow instructions, so tonight I don't care what you do. Now listen, in, uh, in roughly 38 years, a little over 38 years of full-time ministry, you know, you talk, you, you, all the things, I've done tons of things through the years. There's like my top 10. This one was in my top 10 that night. Being speaking with an interpreter, having thousands of people in the palm of your hand, having a blast, miracles took place. We went from dozens to hundreds getting saved. Now, well, you know, if they would have let you the first night do that, same thing could have happened. I'm not so sure. But I'll never forget what that missionary said to me. I had to see if you could follow instructions. My freedom to minister was directly dependent upon my ability to obey and follow instructions. Some people wonder why they can't get promoted in ministry. They want positions or they want this or they want that. It could be you've just not obeyed to the degree that God can trust you. That is what you told me to say. (laughs) He did, (laughs) that was a joke. (laughs) Sometimes we want things and they may even be godly things. They may even be, you, you know, you may have had prophetic words. You might have dreams or visions or something about what you're supposed to do in ministry. Well sometimes the 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 how you get from where you are to there may be directly dependent upon your obedience. Yeah. 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 You can have a call on your life, but if you don't obey God, you may never get to it. He may never be able to trust you to do it. Cuz there's freedom and there's liberty. In obedience now some of that obedience for me I talk about that 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 missionary part of my obedience was could I obey a seen authority some people I've heard well I'll obey God but I ain't obeying any man no you're a rebel anyway you're still a rebel you hadn't learned obedience yet I had to obey that missionary and you know, my church is about the same size as y'all's. That missionary's called me up. He's got 10,000 people. He'd say, Tim, would you come down here? I'm going to be out on a Sunday. Would you come cover my pulpit? I'm like, are, are you kidding me? Why would you call me? He said, because Tim, I know I've watched you. You'll do nothing to hurt my people. You'll do nothing but bless my people. And you've proved that to me. Now, can I go back a second? I I missed something in that story about that crusade. This is what I I left out. When he said to me, Tim, you proved to me last night you'd follow instructions. And then he began to list, I'm not going to name any names, but he listed a number of preachers that I knew. And this is what he said to me. I could never give them that freedom because I don't know what they would do. Sometimes we want freedom, but will we obey? All right, praise the Lord. Okay, it's man, I'm feeling resistance. <laughs> but obedience, everybody say obedience, obedience. brings freedom. Now, there are things, we talk about the anointing, the anointing breaks the yoke, and I I believe that. The anointing will bring freedom. I mean, you know, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We know if we get into the word, you know, a man that continues in my word, he'll be my disciple indeed, and he'll know the truth, and the truth will make him free. I know those verses, but there's also some sides. You know, the word making you free comes down to you obeying the word. But then, if I could say it this way, not only obeying the word, but obeying the nudging and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So that's why I say it's, it's easier to obey the written instructions. Some people think, uh, you know, I'll obey if God tells me to do something. No, God will see if you obey the written instructions. Sometimes people are waiting, God, speak to me. Well, why should God talk to you when you're not doing what he already wrote? I want a vision for my future. Maybe it starts by getting in here and forgiving that person you're gossiping about and you're tailbearing about and you got, you know, hurting your heart over what somebody did to you. Why don't you start off by forgiving and dropping the charges and getting that person out of your mouth? Like I said, I only get one punch at you. If you don't like me, just thank God you got a good pastor. But it's one thing to obey the written instructions. But then what happens? I'll never forget the first time God told me to give $1,000. Now, when the Lord told me to give $1,000, it wasn't when I made, you know, $1,000 a week. First time he told me to give $1,000, I made $312 a week. So $1,000 was about a month's salary. And I didn't like have $1,000 in the bank. I, we were, my, wife were young, my wife and I been married 40 years, but we were in our first year of marriage. And I remember we scrimped and we saved and we put aside and, and we put all this money aside. And I can remember when I was writing out the check, my hands were shaky. I wrote it to Kenneth Copeland Ministries. I put that 1000 And I can remember signing, I, signing my name. I wish I could find that check. Just to see what my handwriting was right, was like. But I can remember signing my name. And then I when I ripped that check out of my checkbook, I heard in the spirit chains fall, go clink. What was that? I was brought up in poverty. I was brought, I didn't, you know, some say they they were born on the other side of the tracks. Uh, We just about lived on the tracks. (laughs) You can't go to where I grew up without carrying, as in carrying a weapon with you. At least you shouldn't. I didn't even live at a full address. I lived at 1122 and a half 4th Street on a back alley in Kalamazoo, Michigan. But I can remember when I wrote that check out, Something fell off of me. As I obeyed God, as I obeyed Him, freedom came. I remember just telling stories. You guys doing okay? Does anybody in here like sports besides me? I used to eat, eat, live, drink sports. And I'm not against sports, but it had control of my life. and I can remember' it was the 1981 Super Bowl. This is when Super Bowl started about three or four o'clock in the afternoon. and I remember I had some friends over we were watching the Super Bowl, and I had a pastor bless his heart that had church on Sunday night during the Super Bowl. And I can remember about 4.30, 5 o'clock, my wife looking at me and say, Tim, are we going to church tonight? I never skipped church. I was just hoping we would just forget about it and get caught up in the game. And, man, conviction got all over me. And I'm watching the Super Bowl. Finally, I said, guys, you know, those that were there, I said, I've got to go to church tonight. Y'all can stay here if you want, but I've got to go to church tonight. And pastor, there's only a handful of people there that night. But you know what? When I walked out the door and I obeyed God, still to this day, I can remember when I shut that door, something fell off of me. I didn't realize that there were chains that were on me from sports because that had such a grip on me. And it fell off that day. Now, I still enjoy sports, but it doesn't have the grip that it once did. Can I tell you, I've missed a number of Super Bowls because I was in prisons on Sunday night. I'd have people tape them and say, don't tell me when it's, how it turned out. <laughs> Do you know how many Super Bowls I've watched from the Philippines? I'm making a point. If I had let that thing, if, I, if that obedience that day, that might not have seemed like a big thing, but as I obeyed him, something fell off of me, and I, if it hadn't fell off of me, there were certain things I never would have done if I hadn't obeyed him. Praise the Lord. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. If you accumulate and you begin to get an accumulation of obedience, you see, we're all going to accumulate something. Do we have any hoarders in the house? (laughs) You go to a hoarder's house, you know, uh, you you, you have to try to get through and find a path through everything. My mother-in-law was a bit of a hoarder. You'd open up, you know, you'd have to open up closets slowly because you didn't know what might be falling out. Can I tell you something? We accumulate... Either obedience or disobedience. Now just say, what's in your spiritual house? Is there an accumulation of obedience? Or is there an accumulation of disobedience? Because I found something out about God. Maybe, maybe, maybe you, you've seen this as well. That, you know, sometimes when you obey God, you've been walking with God, you obey him, you did what he said, and then you're like... God, I obeyed you. Has anybody been there besides me? God, I did what you showed me to do. I gave what you told me to give. I blessed who you told me to. And... But can I tell you something? God doesn't always pay on Friday, but God always pays. God, listen, God will be in debt to no man or to no women. If you'll obey God... All I can see are two things that might steal your blessing. Number one, Galatians 6, 9 says, Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. I know this, if I will keep obeying God, if I will accumulate in my home acts of obedience, acts of doing what he said, because sometimes obeying him is easy, and other times obeying him is gritting your teeth and hard. Wasn't too long ago I was in a meeting talking with a pastor, And he was saying, Pastor, would you agree with me in prayer? I need a new car and can't afford a car payment. And when he said that, the Lord said, give him your Cadillac. That's paid for. That was one, can I see two forms of ID and at least one other credit card? (laughs) But can I tell you something? I make it sound hard. Truth was, it took me a second with the shock and go, I said, because if you accumulate obedience, you have a lifestyle of obedience when you obey on small things consistently, then all of a sudden when something big comes, it's like, okay. Took me a second. I said, Lord, give me, I've got to work a few things out because I've got to replace it. <laughs> Need to go talk to my wife. <laughs> She's always my out. I'm hoping she'll tell me, no, Tim, you better pray about that some more. But you know, you know what you, my wife says: Obey God! It was my car, not hers. Anyway... <laughs> But I'm having some fun with it, but the truth was it was not that hard because if you have a lifestyle of obedience that just comes, okay, Lord, you got got this. So I gave it away. Well, Pastor Tim, anything great? Not yet, but I'm not not concerned because this is what I've seen. You obey God. That Deuteronomy 28, you obey God. You continue to obey Him. You make it a lifestyle. You accumulate in your house acts of obedience. And then you get to the point that you almost forget that you've obeyed. It just becomes a lifestyle. I don't have a list of God, I did this for you, and God, I did this for you, God, I did this for you. No, personally, like I said, I feel like I'm a bit of an unworthy servant. Lord, all I did was what you asked me to do. But I'm in this season that God's blessing me because I I'm in a season that I am reaping right now. I just keep reaping. And it's fun to reap. But I spent a lot of time sowing. And sometimes it didn't come the next week after I obeyed Him. Sometimes it wasn't the next month after I obeyed Him. Some of it wasn't even the next year. But can I tell you something? I'm glad I've continued to obey God. I've continued to do what He said. Because I'm seeing the results. And that phrase, accumulated obedience. If I would obey Him, even on the small things. Sometimes this is what I believe. How many of y'all realize God knows the beginning from the end? Now, how many of y'all realize? that you may in 10 years from now face a horrible battle. But yet, there's this verse in Proverbs that says, if you don't plow in the winter, you won't reap in the harvest time. Now, can I break that down? You got to do the right thing in the right season to get the right results. And I just wonder sometimes if God is seeing your future and sometimes these little things that he's saying obey me, do this, give this to this person, bless this person, do this, these things. I wonder if he's seeing what's coming off in your future and he's getting you to sow seeds of obedience to accumulate obedience and then all of a sudden you're whacked. Something comes against you that you didn't even see coming but it's almost like even before you have a chance to pray, God begins to move god begins to work breakthrough begins to come and it could be because you've obeyed him all this time and in that season 10 years from now all of a sudden things just start happening because you've accumulated obedience in your life and then that all that all that breaks me down to this what's my job just obey It's just my job to obey him. Lord, what do you want me to do? Give him some time to talk to me. And every now and then, some of the things make you swallow hard. I was in a spot. I've got a son, my oldest son, uh, been married for eight years. And my oldest son and his wife, uh, I've got 11 grandchildren, and they're all eight and under, So I have to believe for prosperity, especially around Christmas. (laughs) But my oldest son, he and his wife had been trying to have children for eight years. And they had been to fertility doctors. They had had taken fertility. They'd they'd done everything, spent thousands and thousands of dollars. But my daughter-in-law couldn't get pregnant. And Dr. Barclay had received Shunammite offerings. I remember one about four years ago. He said, write on your envelope the thing you want more than anything. And I sat there. I said, I know what that is. My son Daniel. to Have a child. Have a boy. I looked at my wife. We both I, I handed her my offering. And we both about started crying. That's what we're sowing into. And I've sown and sown and sown. And we hadn't seen anything happen. And last year's during covid probably about may i just got before the lord and i'm just like lord what's up we've been using our faith i've been given i we need to see something what, what's going on here why aren't we seeing a breakthrough now, i'm just saying this is what the lord said to me he said if you want a, a significant breakthrough you're going to have to sow a significant seed so okay what's a significant seed And he dropped one of those figures, it goes. Okay. That was another one I had to check ID. I went upstairs, told my wife, said, We're going to give such amount of money, and she said, Tim, are you sure that's God? When I told her the way the Lord said it, she said, We got to do it. So we sowed that seed. We did what the Lord told me to do. Was it hard? And then you just sort of forget about it. About four months later, four or five months later, we're FaceTiming with my son. In he lives in Georgia. Uh, we're FaceTiming, and he's talking to me, and we're talking. He said, Dad, where's Mom? And I said, you know, I just took the phone and gave it to my mom. Or excuse me, my wife. Uh, yeah, she wouldn't want me to call. Anyway, <laughs> I gave it to my wife. And he said, no, no, Dad, I want to talk to both of y'all. I said, oh, all right. And he said, dad, I said, yeah. He said, Jess, he said, Jess is pregnant and she has kept the child. And I lost it. I, I just, I just started bawling. And I handed the phone to my wife. My son's like, where's dad? And my wife said, he's out of it. He's dead. <laughs> so when I finally got my composure back, I said, boy, it is a boy. You're gonna have, she's gonna have a boy. Now, dad, you know, I said, I'm telling you, this is gonna be a boy. I've sown seed for a boy. <laughs> Forgive me. My wife and I had seven children. They were five girls and two boys. And we had two of each. And my wife said, "I think there's a Timmy Jr. running around." And we went oh for three. Love girl. I got five daughters. Love love my daughters. But I'm telling you, this was going to be a boy. I knew it was going to be a boy. I sowed seed for a boy. So I said, "Son, you're going to have a boy." I said dad, I, you, "I I don't even care what you say. This is going to be a boy." Okay, dad. Well. April 20th or so of this year my daughter-in-law gave birth to a brand new grandson in the Cross family. Hallelujah. And uh, but it <laughs> took more than just my obedience. They had they had some things to do but <laughs> but obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. Now, I could sit here for some time and tell you stories. But I've kept hearing this word, accumulated obedience. What are you accumulating in your spiritual life? Are you accumulating a lifestyle of obedience? Think about what Jesus said. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? No Lord is is an oxymoron. You don't tell, call him Lord and say no to him. You obey him. You obey him. And that's sort of where I'm living and sort of what I challenge you with. Are you producing a lifestyle of accumulated obedience? Or, and I hope this isn't true, Are you producing a lifestyle of disobedience? Because some people, now listen, this is the negative, and I hate to end on a negative. But sometimes people wonder why they face stuff, and they're overwhelmed by it, and they almost wonder, God, where are you? But I wonder, is it because you didn't sow the right seeds, the obedience in a previous season, I'm not going to say that's always the case, but I just wonder sometimes. Sometimes we have to check and go back. God, did I obey you? Amen? Well, I am so sorry if I bored you today. And as I said, you only have to put up with me once. Pastor can say, Pastor Tim, we're glad you came. Here's a couple bucks. We're going to take you to McDonald's. And so, but I'm just challenging you. This is is a little bit different level message, but I felt like it's just where I'm living. I don't want to say I've always obeyed God because we probably all missed it. Don't get me wrong. But I want to accumulate. I almost want to say I want on my gravestone, he obeyed God. I want that to be the mark of my life. And I hope it's the mark of yours. Brother, could you come back up and maybe I will. I don't know. I felt like the Lord said that there are certain people here that you're not as free as you should be. And that he wants to bring a level of freedom. But I felt like I wanted to challenge you in terms that freedom comes. By your obedience you've got to obey and you preach a message like this you can't help but maybe look and say is there anybody in here you know there's areas you've just been disobeying God you've not been following his instructions and I think this could be a time thank God for repentance and an opportunity to adjust that. That takes a hard adjustment to begin with. Repenting. I had to write a recommendation for a man for ordination to a ministry. And I, I wanted to be honest on this. And what I put in this recommendation was there's good things about him, but I said, there's one issue you've got to deal with. This man wants ministry, but he's not been in church for close to 20 years. And that can be forgiven. My problem is, is that he makes excuse. And until he repents of that, that heart change will not take place. And it'll be If you don't repent and acknowledge, God, I've disobeyed, you've told me to do this. Too many times we make excuses for our disobedience. When I tell my kids, when I would leave and say, I want the dishes done when I get home, you know the first thing I'm gonna look for? If I've been gone three hours, did you get the dishes done? Well, no, this happened, that happened, the other thing happened, oh, really? You had one thing to do. I think we need to get excuses out of our mouth. Start owning up. I've not obeyed you. I've not done what you told me to do. Stop trying to tell God all your good reasons for not doing what God said. Now that is what you told me to say, right? (laughs) stop making excuses because I'd look at my kids and say we were gone for three hours what'd you do the first 15 minutes we were gone that's when you could have got it done bow your heads with me please how many in here would say that you know some areas you've just been in disobedience towards God lift up your hand Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Now, can I ask you to have the courage to not only raise your hand, but come up here to the altar. I had the mind of the Lord this morning. Maybe. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to repeat after me and then I'm going to pray over you. But I want you to get your heart ready. Get your own heart ready. that thing that you're repenting of right now where you've been disobeying him. Get that. Get that in your thinking and picture in your heart. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me for disobeying you in and then you say between you and the Lord what area that is. Father, your word says that if I would confess my sin, you're faithful and you're just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now my tongue is a rudder and it sets the course. So I say with my mouth, I will obey you. I will obey you. I will obey your word. I will obey the prompting of your spirit from this day forward in Jesus' name. And I thank you that as I obey you, breakthrough comes, freedom comes, and a greater depth relationship with you as I obey you now father I pray over now I'm gonna pray over y'all father I pray over these Holy Spirit I welcome you to come and to seal this to seal this on the inside of them this declaration of obedience would be sealed and this commitment would be sealed on the inside of them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ seal this Father I just pray over them that they would begin to accumulate From this day forward, in their spiritual house, acts of obedience.